When it comes to the gospel, there's a lot of things that can accompany the gospel. There's a lot of uh, uh, sides, if you will, as far as if you think of a meal, you prep a meal. There are a lot of things that you can put around the gospel uh, to help. And, uh, you, can, uh, you can go and you can dig a well in a place where they don't have fresh water. You can uh, go meet physical needs uh, in all the places in the world, and it can accompany the gospel. Uh, But we can't make any mistake about it when it comes to reaching, teaching, and training, which is the mission here at our our church, which comes from the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. And although there's a lot of good things that, that can surround it, and often should surround us making disciples, we can't make a mistake in our lives and in our church and our ministries to make those things the most important part. You see, we live in a world and a culture where if that's all that the church did, uh, the world would be happy. Right? If the only thing that we did was, was went over and dug wells or we went and opened up a clothes closet or a food pantry, although very good things. I don't think anybody would argue that those are wonderful things uh, that ought to, in some way, uh, be uh, partaken of in our church. We should serve in those areas. We should help to meet the needs in our community. Uh, But we must understand, first and foremost, that it isn't the Great Commission. When Christ has resurrected, he's crucified, he's resurrected, and he stands before his disciples before his ascension into heaven. Uh, He can say anything he wants as far as what he thinks is the most important thing that the disciples in the church should prioritize until he comes back. He He has a moment where he sits before his disciples in his resurrected body, and he says, go do a lot of good things in the world. Represent me well in your acts of kindness. Make sure that people like what you do and do those kind of things. Right? Although very good things, that's not what he said, is it? What he said was, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And that's why I want you to know this morning with the few minutes that I have that we can do a million other good things in our life. Things that we ought to do, things that, that should accompany in so many ways uh, believers who go in and do ministry. And we can do a lot of good things and never fulfill the number one responsibility that Jesus gave us, and that is to make disciples. And my prayer and my hope, and as the pastors of your church, we want to make sure that although we do a lot of good things in our community, although we, we offer a lot of good services in our community, that we're never going to let those things overshadow the main goal to make disciples. Because what we need to know as a church is that every Christian, not just some, not just the varsity Christians, there is no such thing as varsity Christianity, there's just Christianity. And we must make sure that we understand that every Christian, every one of them, exists to reach people for Christ, to teach people to be like Christ, and to train people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here as a church is to those ends, to those very ends. And that's why I want you to turn to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I want to briefly, I want to briefly 
survey and look over Jesus' final words before his ascension into heaven after he was crucified and resurrected. There in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, yeah, yeah. If you, if you get murdered by the government and uh, you get buried in a tomb, and you told me before that that that's what you were going to do, and you told me before that that you were the sent one from God to come save the world from their sins, and in three days... They're going to tear this down, and in three days, it's going to raise. And then you come before me, that's a given. Right? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. You bet, right? You do that, and you come to me and say, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to you. I believe it. Because he's the only one that's ever done it, and the only one who ever will do it. And he says this, now, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, I want to make sure we understand that the main verb in the great commandment, the great commission, is not go. There's been a lot of mission organizations that have, that have made their entire mission statement to go. Uh, go in the text is a participle. It's a verb, but it's a participle, which make it, it's a part of the main command. And so what we must understand is the word go isn't the main command here. The main command that we see in verse 19 is make disciples. But if we're going to make disciples, we must go. As a matter of fact, the word go here is in the aorist tense, which is a verb usage a lot in Koine Greek. Uh, and an aorist tense is simply this. It's something that should always be going on. It's not something that I just decide to do today, like I'm going to go to H-E-B. Well, that's something I'm going to do. That's a present active verb, right? I'm going right now. Well, the go in the Greek here is that I'm, I'm, I'm always going, or this, this is what is happening around me. Like uh, the earth is rotating. It's going around. Well, that's an aorist tense. It's, all, it's what it's doing. That's just the life of the earth is it's always rotating. Well, in the same sense, that's the command to make disciples. It's not something I decide to buy a plane ticket and to go do it for a week or two. It's something that I'm going about doing just all the time. And we, we must understand it that way. And it can't just be to go. And this is what I was talking about even in my introduction. Like, we go to Mexico and we build houses. Let me tell you this. I've gone to Mexico and to build houses. I've gone to Africa and painted schools. I've, I've done all of those things. I'm not against those things. I'm for those things, very much for those things. But what we have to make sure we're doing, if, if I'm going, I can't just go and do something that isn't the main verb. That's a part of the main verb. When I'm going to these places, I must go to do those things, but I'm not going for those things. I'm going to make disciples, and while I'm there, I may do these other things as well. But it says there, go... Therefore, wherever you go, make disciples. Make disciples, if you have your Bible open, you need to circle that. Don't underline it, because I'd like you to underline go. But underline go, but circle make disciples, because make, make disciples is the second person imperative. The second person imperative is a verb in the Bible that's actually telling you to do something. And so oftentimes, we look at the Bible, we say, well, I don't know what it wants me to do. Well, that's why you need to understand a little bit of English grammar. We know that if it's an imperative, if I tell you, hey, it's imperative that you drink enough water today so you don't get dehydrated, you know what to do today, don't you? What do you do? Drink water. The Bible is telling me, all right, the second person imperative, it's imperative that I make disciples, okay? And now I need to know, how do I go about making disciples? 
Well, it tells me. I go, I baptize, and I teach. Those are, those are what it means to make disciples. That's the process that I partake in if I want to make disciples. I can accompany if I'm having a meal, I can put a lot of sides with that, but you name the main dish, the main thing that always has to appear on the plate is make disciples. But I do have to go. I do have to baptize. I do have to, to teach. Uh, but even what we did here, when it says here, go and baptize people. Well, the goal isn't, as you may hopefully remember in the baptistry, isn't just to go somewhere and dunk people in water. That's a misrepresentation of the text. It's not saying go and just baptize people. Baptizing people is the external symbol of what has already happened on the inside. So when we see make, make disciples and baptizing them, we mean that that means reach people. That means that we must go preach the gospel and they must respond to the gospel and it, it must take root internally through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at their response to the gospel. And then we baptize them. So really the baptism is the culmination of point number one on your outline. And you can write it this way. Reach people for Christ. Baptism is the culmination of the evangelistic effort. And that is part of the gospel. We want to make disciples. We've got to make disciples. We've got to reach people for Christ. And it's got to be the main point. Make disciples. It's, it's, uh, it's important. It's the main thing that we need to focus on if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to invest in people. We have to reach them first, which means I have to see their main issue. Right? Their main issue, the main issue in the world, isn't that I have a broken relationship with my father. is isn't that I have uh, issues with anxiety. Uh, the main issue, I'll put it to you this way, uh, if your beloved dog, anybody have a beloved pet at home? Nobody. That's a lie. Okay. <laughs> and I know. All right. You have your beloved pet at home. And your dog's in the backyard, and kind of like my brother's dog did, jumped up, accidentally landed wrong, and broke his back legs. Okay. Uh, he rushes back into the backyard, and he, he takes the dog, and he's like, oh, no, there's a problem. Okay. Uh, now, what if my brother took the dog in his arms, ran inside, and started running him a bath? That's a good thing, isn't it? Take a bath is a good thing. You need to bathe your dogs. But it's not going to fix the problem. You would say, what are we doing here? He's dying. He's not going to be able to walk after this, and we're going to give him a bath? Well, is a bath a good thing? You get to give your dogs a bath. Hygiene is a good thing. Making sure your dogs clean is good. It is a good thing, but it's not the main thing right now. The main thing right now is we get this dog taken care of so we can walk. Well, in the same way, when it comes to our job as making disciples, we've got to focus on the main thing. There is a lot of problems in our world. And there are a lot of great organizations, and thank God that we live in a country that has a social welfare system, that whatever you think about it on one side or the other, glory to God that we have a welfare system that when people are in need, we have a system in place in our government that helps take care of those needs. Thank God for that. doesn't mean that we don't have a part in that. But what it does mean is we have to, just like the government understands that their job is to take care of physical needs of people, our job as a church is to make sure we take care of the spiritual needs of people, which is actually the biggest physical need that they're ever going to have because one day they're physically going to stand before the God of the universe and they're going to have to physically answer for their sins and they're either going to answer for it on their own or they're going to answer for it with the righteousness of Christ clothed over them. So really what we're doing is meeting the most serious physical need on the planet that 100% of the world population is going to have to deal with. And we must focus on the main thing. That's reaching people for Christ. We're going to make disciples. We need to reach them.
Paul, Paul has something to say about that. You can jot down 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 33. Paul sees a, a great need to at least associate with people in a way where they are contextually aware of how Paul is engaging with them. Uh, which shows us that there's, there's a great need to meet people where they are, help them understand in their context what the gospel is. And Paul does that in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So Paul's saying, I've got to, in some way I've got to relate to these people. To the Jews I become as one under the law, though I'm not under the law. I'm not under the Mosaic law in, in a sense. I'm not under the old covenant, but I make myself as one who is so that I can relate to them in a way where I can preach them the gospel. To the Gentiles, I become as one who is a Gentile. We, we, come, we become all things to all people so that by all means we might win some. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of meeting their temporary needs. Is that what it says? No, no, verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. You see, the greatest thing we can do for our world and the people around us is for the sake of the gospel, see them saved, that you may share with them in its blessings. If we don't think that it's a blessing that people turn from their sins and place their trust in their Christ, we don't have a biblical appraisal of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that we're focusing on the main thing. And I get it. And you may think, oh, Pastor, you're very insensitive. You're very, I mean, why? We got to meet the needs of you. Sure we do. But what's the most insensitive thing I can do is give them wheat when I have gold. Do they need wheat? Sure they need wheat. But what they need most of all, or what we all need most of all in the world, is to share the gospel with them that they may know. Just so you know that I'm not, with the sparing moments that I have left, I had a, a brother come in town, a half-brother come in town yesterday. I haven't seen him in years. He, uh, we share the same father. He has a very bad life. His mom is... Uh, is, has lung cancer for drug abusing. Uh, we can go on and on, whatever. You know, I haven't seen him in years, so what's the most important thing I can do with my brother that I haven't seen in years? Hang out with him. Get to know him. Tell, let him know I love him and that I'm there for him. No, no, no. Those things are true, and I do those things. But me and my wife spent two hours yesterday at the coffee shop with him and his new fiance that I have never met in my life, and we're sharing the gospel because I don't know when the next time I'm going to see this guy is. And so I'm sitting there, and we're preaching the gospel, and we're telling them what it means to be a Christian, and they're like, I've never understood this. I've never, and she grew up in a big church in the Dallas area, and she's like, no one's ever told me this in a way I can understand it. I want to know more. And so now we have a plan to help my brother that I haven't seen in years know more about the gospel, and his fiance to know more about the gospel so they can come to know Christ. So I get it. I, me too. Like, I get the desire to not have to create conflict but the greatest conflict that they have has already been created since before they were born. And our job is to help step in in any way that I can and mitigate that conflict and mediate an opportunity for them to come to fix the greatest conflict that they have. And that's a relationship with a holy, just, perfect, loving God. Come on, church. We've got to reach people. Come on. You know, we've got to reach people for Christ. We've got to make it about the right thing. All right. Much of what it takes to learn what is included in the command to go is also found. You want to know how to go? How do we go? Okay, how do we go about making disciples? Well, well let's look at verse 20. It says there in verse 20, teaching them. Well, there we go. So if I'm going to make disciples, it can't just be primarily through my 
uh, actions, primarily through them looking at my life. That is part of it, and we'll get to that in a moment. But there has to be a part of my life that is actually in the instruction of making disciples, participating in the instructing of people to help them know and understand who Christ is, teaching them. It's the Greek word didasko, didasko, which every time you see it in the New Testament, it's talking about actually teaching instructing, like, I, like right now I'm, in, I'm didasco, I'm instructing, I'm also caruso, which means proclaiming, but I'm also didasco, I'm like teaching, okay, we're teaching you something. And what you need to know about this word is it's also a present active participle. So it's part of making disciples and it's present and it's active, which present and active means it's something that you have to be doing presently. So right now, presently, I am teaching. Now, for you to make disciples, there has to be times within your life that you are actually teaching them to be like Christ. So you see, you can't just do this uh, via osmosis, okay? You can't do this uh, just by uh, helping them try to absorb just how you are and who you are as a being. No, it's something that we have to actually, in time and space, take time to engage through the teaching of the gospel and what it means to follow Christ. So we have to do that. And I want to encourage you with that because that is the responsibility that you should take time in your life, in your week, in your month to be instructing people to what it means to follow Christ, to be a disciple. And then we're not just teaching them anything, right? We're teaching them what it continues to say is to observe. And I love that, to observe. We're teaching people to observe everything that Christ has commanded us. It's not just the red letters, right? We're not just red letter Christians. Christ quotes all of the, all of the New Testament, and he says not a dot, not an iota of any of the laws and the prophets will pass away. And, and so what we understand in that is that Christ sees all of Scripture as his commands. There's a contextual way that we apply all the Bible, but we must understand that it's all of the Bible. And we teach them to observe it. Again, it's an active, present, infinitive verb. That's a new one. Infinitive simply just means this. It's something we're forever. It's infinite. It's an infinite way in which we're telling people, this is what we're doing forever. We're going to obey God forever, and I've got to teach people how to obey God from now on. It's not just something you do on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or not just something you do on Sunday. It's something that we're doing every day. It's an infinitive, active verb. I'm actively, every day, obeying Christ and his commands. And I love it. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. In case you were wondering how you were going to carry the burden of obedience to Christ every day for the rest of ever, uh, you don't have to wonder that. Because it tells you right here, through the power of Christ, he is presently with you. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. Now go and make disciples. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to empower you to do it. You're a Christian. You're saved by grace through faith. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Now go and do these things. I don't have time, but at least you can jot down Acts chapter 5. Um, Acts chapter 5, just go ahead and jot down verses 20 through 32. I'll just sum that up. Here you have uh, Peter and the apostles. They're, uh, they're arrested for preaching the gospel, for teaching the gospel. They're arrested. They get put into prison. And uh, as they're in prison, that evening an angel of the Lord comes and unlocks the door. They get out, and the, the angel of the Lord says, go and now teach people. Go out and start teaching people the gospel. And so they go out there. Daybreak comes. The uh, high priest and the Sadducees are like, where are these people at? And somebody runs in there and says, they're out there doing it again. And they're angry, and they're going out there, and they're like, what are you doing? We strictly told you not to teach the gospel here. And they said, 
We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance and forgiveness of sins. Come on. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, when it comes to you and me teaching people to be like Christ, did I put that point number two? You need to teach people to be like Christ. Point number two. Teach people to be like Christ. When it comes to teaching people to be like Christ, I'm just curious, in your life, if you were arrested, in America, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty, and so if you were indicted for uh, the accusation of teaching the gospel, I'm curious if you stood in court like these men, uh, would you be found guilty of teaching the gospel? Would you be put behind bars for teaching the gospel, or would you be exonerated or would the charges be dropped because of lack of evidence? Like, would, would, a, would your defending attorney be able to, to give a reasonable doubt as to you not actually teaching the gospel? Or could, would the defending attorney be like, There's, you got so much evidence. I mean, look at this guy. He spends so much of his time reaching and teaching and training. I, can't, I mean, it's literally on his, his social media page, reaching, teaching, and training. I can't. There's so much proof that this person is teaching people to be like Christ. He's guilty in the first degree of teaching people to be like Christ. And I'm just curious, if you stood in that same spot, would you be found guilty by the world of teaching people to be like Christ? Because that's what Jesus was condemned for. That's what the apostles were condemned for. That's what the early church was condemned for. The early church did a lot of good things too, but they weren't condemned for doing good things. They were condemned for teaching people to be like Christ. I want you to go to the, the last, last verse. verse. Uh, well, actually, as a matter of fact, no, I want you to go back up to the first verse. Because we're doing this, right? we're reaching and we're teaching people. Uh, but Christ, as he's standing there, resurrected before the disciples, he says, go and do this, and lo, I will be with you always till the end of the age. So there was a, uh, there, not just a sense, but there was a great command that this mission was going to perpetuate from then till the return of Christ. And so this wasn't just something that there are few people, some few, but still some, who say that that was just a mission given to the disciples. Well, the disciples died. They couldn't have been there till the end of the age. But Christ meant that this would perpetuate through all time. And if they're going to make this perpetuate through all time, there has to be this handing down and this passing on of the Great Commission uh, from this generation to the next generation to the next generation perpetually. That's the command. And that's when it says, go and make disciples. We have to teach other people what it means to make disciples by, by going, by teaching, and by training. That's point number three in your outline. We need to perpetuate the mission and pass on the Great Commission to the next generation by training people to serve Christ. That's what we are doing here. As a church, training people to continue this endeavor, to continue this mission. That far after you and I are gone, this baptistry will be here in some form, maybe levitating, maybe holographic, but people are still going to be getting baptized. And we're continually going to be reaching, teaching, and training. And it's not because you and I are there. It's because Jesus says, lo, I will be there always. And what we're doing is just continuing the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. But we got to focus on the main thing. We're out of time, but 
for you and I is I want you to look at our church and understand that that's what our church does. And you may find it stringent, which I hope you don't. I hope you find it faithful. I hope you find it genuine. I hope maybe in some ways you find it refreshing. Maybe you find it edgy. Okay, maybe. All right. Uh, but I just want you to think what we do as a church, we reach people for Christ. Like that's what we do. We're doing baptisms because people have been reached for Christ recently. They've been saved by the gospel. They've responded by turning from their sins and placing their trust in Christ. Uh, we teach. Every week you know you're going to come here and we're going to open up the Bible and we're just going to ask one simple question. What does the Bible say about that? And then we're going to apply it to our life. Your kids right now learning the same thing. How, we, how, how do kids learn what it means to grow up to reach, teach, and train? Because in right now they're opening up their, their Bibles, their leaders are opening up the Bibles, and they're saying, well, what does the Bible say, kiddos? We do that across all of our ministries, across everything we do. Our life groups do the same thing. We're teaching people. And we want to train people. Did you know today, after the 11 o'clock service, we have three trainings going on simultaneously at our church. It's the first time ever as we're growing. We have three trainings going on simultaneously because we want to train people to learn how to serve Christ. And so all throughout the building, there's going to be groups of people being trained to serve Christ better because we don't want it to stop with us. We want it to perpetuate through the generations. And that means I can't keep it to myself and you can't keep it to yourself. We got to give it liberally. There's something I want to be the, the biggest raging liberal in the world, and that is sharing the gospel. I want to be the most liberal person that has ever lived when it comes to sharing the gospel. Nobody doesn't get the gospel. Everybody gets the gospel. And I want to make sure that we have a church that lives that out. Amen? Amen. Then let's pray. God, thank you for this church. Thank you uh, that we have a church that reaches, teaches, and trains people. God, we, we are so grateful for the lives that have been saved in our church. Thankful for those that have stepped forward to follow through in believers' baptism today. And God, what a, what a wonderful opportunity for us to witness that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the great commission that you did not leave us here alone, that you said you were with us and you have commanded us, called us to partner with you in the proclamation of the gospel of your son. And God, we're so grateful. We look forward even to the 11 o'clock for the four souls that will be baptized there. Just so looking forward to what you're going to continue to do in 2023 as we reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ and train people to serve Christ. And all of God's church said, amen.